Hey everybody, this is Brett with Indie Comics Dispatch. Welcome to Season 2 of Broadcast from the Dispatch. On this premiere episode of Season 2, we are talking with Reggie Byers and Roosevelt Pitt, two legends in the field of indie comics. Both of them started their careers in the early 90s to late 1980s and have just excelled since then. I hope you enjoyed this discussion with them and go ahead and check out all their latest projects. Also, they list how you can find them at the end of the episode and how you can support their current projects. As always, Broadcast from the Dispatch is first a live stream program. You can catch us this season on most Thursday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We stream live on most social media channels, particularly Facebook and YouTube are the best two places to catch us, but you can also usually catch us on Instagram and Twitter. We'd love to have you join us for a live broadcast and interact with our guests by asking questions through the comments section on social media. And without any further ado, here's this week's episode of Broadcasts from the Dispatch. I'm Brett with Indie Comics Dispatch and welcome you to Season 2. This is Broadcast from the Dispatch. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to season two of Broadcast from the Dispatch. I am Brett with Indie Comics Dispatch, your host. A um, couple updates. Uh, Tier is not here for season two, so I did want to update everybody with that. He's off working on Silver. He's got a lot of stuff going on, and so um, you need to check that out and see all the different stuff he's got launching. Totally, totally busy and and kicking it right now, kicking butt right now. So check that out. Um, uh, 501c3, if you remember... We did a little Kickstarter to become an official 501c3 organization, and that is going well. We have our board of directors lined up. I have one more announcement to make on our board of directors um, as soon as we get final approval from the other directors on that. Um, but another announcement is coming. Um, we are incorporated in the state of Georgia as a nonprofit corporation, and we are waiting on the stuff from the federal government to be official 501c3. So with with COVID, um, everything is slowed down, everything, including nonprofit uh, approvals. So bear with us. We will get there by the end of this year. Um, so just wait for that announcement to come down the line as well. Um, Kickstarter fulfillment is is almost completely done. If you haven't heard from me, um, check your email because you probably have and you probably didn't realize it. Um, I'm waiting on a couple people to send me their t-shirt sizes. I'm waiting on a couple people to send me uh, images for their honorary team member portrait. Um, the coaching sessions have been sent out. So we just need to hear back from people. So if you're out there watching and thinking, hey, I supported the dispatch, but I haven't heard anything about the, the my reward, check your email, check your Kickstarter messages. I bet you it's probably there. Um, so without any further ado, let's jump into tonight's episode because I'm excited. Um, we have indie comic legends. I consider them legends. And by the end of tonight, you will too. Um, I do need to say we had hoped to have uh, Dr. Tertel only here. Um, he could not make it. Um, he was planning on making it, planning on being here. And then last minute, something came up and he couldn't be here this evening. So uh, we will catch up with him sometime soon. Uh, but we do have two wonderful guests tonight. And we're going to talk about um, indie comics and uh, the kind of heyday, the early 90s of indie comics all the way to now. And so it should be a great episode. If you're out there watching this, feel free to ask questions, drop them in the comments. We will see them. Um, and uh, please share the stream. Sharing is caring. Um, if you share the stream to various groups, um, it helps us and it helps these gentlemen tonight get more viewers too on their projects as well. First up, just because he's first in my, my sheet here, 
uh, Mr. Reggie Byers. For over 35 years, Reggie Byers has professionally created comics and children's books. In 1985, he came into the comic industry illustrating Robotech comics for Comico and self-publishes manga-inspired series Shuriken. Am I saying that right, Reggie? What's that? What, Shur Comico? <laughs> Shur <laughs> Shuriken. Oh, actually, actually, was the comical part. It's Kamiko. <laughs> I always do that, but, man. Yeah, everybody pronounces it Kamiko, but um, <laughs> sure, can you pronounce that correctly? Well, of no course, problem. I'd get the hard one. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is currently on Kickstarter. Shuriken is currently on Kickstarter. After thirty years, you can go support that right now tonight. It's fully Woo! funded. But we still want you to go support it. Uh, Reggie has also created other comic books over the years. Jam Quacky, Crescent, the Bible-themed Kids of the King, and Afro Boy and Puff Girl. Reggie continues to strive to create comics and entertain, educate, and edify the young and young at heart. Reggie, welcome yes, back to the Dispatch, sir. Hey, Brett. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. No problem. I, I love having you on here. You were one of our earlier guests when I was doing one-on-one -on -one interviews before we kind of launched the weekly live. And so yeah. it's always an honor to talk to you. It's always yeah, um, you you and this next gentleman are two of, like I said, the legends in my eyes in the indie comic um, realm. So um, next up, Mr. Roosevelt Pitt. Greetings. <laughs> Roosevelt is a 20-year-plus veteran, author, designer, publisher, and entrepreneur. Pitt is owner of Amara Entertainment Incorporated, an innovative company created to, for, uh, created to produce and distribute ethnic superhero comic books to fill the void left by the lack of positive African-American heroes in the marketplace. Yes, sir. That's Roosevelt, great. thank you so much for being here. Oh, you're quite welcome. I appreciate you having me. I've been looking forward to this for the past week or so, so... Me too. Me too. Actually, longer than that for me, but <laughs> I was—it's been on my brain for a while. <laughs> so, gentlemen, uh, we've—we've we've done the official intros, but tell us more about yourselves. How did you become a comic creator, Roosevelt? Let's start with you. Um, well, for me, I've always been a comic book fan for years. I mean, I was back in the day, and I'm sure Mr. Byers can uh, confirm that. Back in our time, there were no real comic book shops. They were called newsstands, okay? And you walk around the corner and you grab a soda and you hopefully will find your favorite comic on the spinner rack. That's right. You know? That's right. Um, so back in my day, everything was few and far between, meaning you have to get there early when the store opened if you want to get that favorite comic. Mm -hmm. okay? <laughs> um, so for me, you know, I always went... Uh, to the newsstands or the magazine shops looking for anyone that looked like me. Um, and that was always the most important thing at that time. Representation, representation. But as time went on, I realized that representation isn't always what it's cracked up to be. Um, because once you read the story, what are you really gaining? What are you really digesting as a Black person when you read those stories? Is that character positive? Does he have good morals? Is he a good person or is he truly only out for self? So as time went on, I realized personally that there really wasn't any black superhero that truly represented what I wanted to see in myself. Now, Superman, on the other hand, I will tell you straight up, that was one of my favorite superheroes. Why? Because he was majestic. He flew. And everyone trusted him. He never lied, quote unquote, unless, uh -huh. unless he's Clark Kent. But Superman, you know, he had this uh, mythological godly presence that no matter where he was, people recognized his greatness. I didn't see that in black comic books back in the day, other than maybe Black Panther. And Black Panther was great, mind you, but I didn't relate to him because I never was an African prince. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, that resonated with me as I became older and decided that I wanted to really produce a superhero who's Black, who can represent the greatness that we are as Black people by focusing on our creativity, our history beyond being enslaved. Mm -hmm. That's what we see so much in media. But what about the Dr. Francis Quest Wilson, the Dr. Henry Clark, the Amos Williams, Wilson, mm. you know, those black people who were scholars, the um, those black people who were inventors, 
how often do we hear about black inventors such as the one, and excuse me, I do forget his name and um, uh, off the top of my head right now, but there's so many black inventors who created the traffic light. Blood Garrett plasma. Morris. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank Garrett you. Morris. The list goes on. We rarely mm-hmm. hear about those great black people, foundational black American people um, in history, but definitely not in comics. So I personally mm-hmm. found it my mission to do that so that when hopefully black kids, black adults read my content, they will not only learn something, but feel elevated about being who they are in the skin that's mm-hmm. most of our history has been presented as a detriment, but in fact, it's greatness. And that's what prompted me and continues to uh, push me to create the content uh, that I do create. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Reggie? Yeah, well, with me, I, uh, you know, like Roosevelt, I, I grew up reading comic books that were, um, you know, very poorly represented as far as I, you know, as a, as a, a black person, as, as a black child. Um, but of course, you know, like most children that read comic books, I gravitated towards the hero that I could relate most to. Um, and as far as I can remember, good gosh, as far back as eight years old, it was it was always Batman. <laughs> because it was like, you know, he, he didn't have any powers, you know? I mean, he had he had the Luchi to, to afford everything he needed to do to look like he had powers, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm my, my history of Batman goes back to the whole, you know, uh, Adam West, Burt Ward days, you know. Mm-hmm. I'd go home and I would have goosebumps watching that animated intro of them coming at you, you know. I would lose my mind. I'd be like, Mom, leave me alone. Dad, leave me alone. I'm watching Batman right now. And those cliffhangers, man. <laughs> so as I got older and started actually discovering comic books around maybe like nine, ten years old, um, when I realized that Batman actually was a comic book, because I didn't even know Batman was a comic book when I was watching the uh, Adam West, you know, episodes. Um, you know, I just was a collectible madman. I was, you know, buying everything that came out on, as Roosevelt said, the rack. You know, like <laughs> they're, they're, you know, I would go to the the the, uh, the local pharmacy in Norristown, and it was one thin rack. You know, and it was like Batman, Avengers. Back then, it was. Uh, Charlton Comics is a character called that I used to collect called Yang. <laughs> um, this uh, this Chinese uh, kung fu fighter, um, and I collected comic books left and right. And as I got older, uh, right around middle school, when I realized uh, that comic books were written and created by actual people, that's when I realized, you know what, that's something I want to do for the rest of my life because I've always been able to draw, you know, and I was always telling stories wherever I was lying to my mom or coming up with a story in a comic book. <laughs> uh, you know, I basically was like, I, if, if, these, if, there's, if these books that I love buying are actually being created by people, oh gosh, well, I'm in, I'm all in. And so middle school, early high school, my friends and I who were creative and loved to draw it out together and create our own characters. And uh, my very first creation right around uh, 10th grade was a character called Spark. It was a black girl with a with a, a, a white streak in her fro, and she had electrical powers. And my buddy, he drew a combo called Indigo, and he was this guy to his face. He looked like Black Panther, but he had his his, his hair was out. And uh, we put out we, we did a combination combo called Spark and Indigo. With 15 pages, he drew 15 pages. I drew me. You know, we stapled it together and sold them to our classmate. Man, it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, Truth be told, it's like my my uh, wanting to represent myself as a black man through comics really did not happen until like around 1991 when I created Crescent. Um, and actually, maybe before then, the black experience in my comic books was was uh, was put out through Jam Quacky because Jam Quacky the Hip Hop that comic book told the story of the black experience, um, but. It was all anthropomorphic characters, mm-hmm. um, and but as far as you know, like I said, I was inspired by wanting to get into drawing comic books and creating comic books because I found out that they were actually created by actual create creative people. Um, that was that was right around middle school, early high school. Isn't it amazing? I, I remember that too. Around middle school, where you realize 
comic books are created by real people and such a weird and then empowering <laughs> um experience because you're right your your little kid brain just doesn't think of that right. and then when you right. realize that you can tell these stories too my my first character i invented i was telling um a friend about this recently um that i had completely forgot about this was a guy named electro man and he literally had a light bulb helmet <laughs> on his head <laughs> i i hope to get past that one day um <laughs> pop up some comments we got tony Cade from challenges games and comics in decatur georgia right down the street from me he's sharing the stream thank you tony brad didn't know it was pronounced comico 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 i can't do yeah. it oh. but you know when i first discovered that company which was in norristown pennsylvania where i grew up mm -hmm. when i walked by the the uh the, it was a row home the, the company was located mm -hmm. inside a row home and when mm -hmm. i walked by there for the first time they had a sign out in the yard and it's that's the first thing I pronounced was Comico, you know? Uh -huh. But yeah. Hmm. He said, learn something new every day. You do. <laughs> you, you do, don't you, Brad? Um, Brad also said uh, he has commissioned drawings of Crescent and Purge from one of his favorite indie artists. Love both characters. All right. Woo. And uh, Brian, my friend Brian, Wingless Comics, didn't know Reggie worked on Robotex. Yeah, uh, another reason these brothers are my heroes. Very good. Much appreciate well, let's talk about that because you're right. Like I, I'm I'm a bit younger than you, um, but probably not oh as God. much as people He's think. <laughs> probably not as much as people think. Um, I am in my forties. Um, yeah. Oh, wish. So, okay, well, yeah. okay. All right. But my I I didn't have a local comic book shop either. I would walk down and and go to the gas station at the corner of our neighborhood and spin the rack and find my comic books and spinning that rack, that rack i found man. characters that represented me right I, almost every character in that spinner was a white dude and mm -hmm. so when was the first time you guys saw a comic book character and you thought aha th these guys really got it here's a character that really represents me huh well, I, I think it was i'll let you no, 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 please, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you're already primed and ready. I can tell. My, you know, it's crazy. I can't think of the character's name, but the first character that resonated with me as a Black person, uh, as a young Black man, was, um, and, and maybe one of you two can remember who he was. He was the, um, and matter of fact, he was the first, the first Legion of Superheroes member that was African American. Hmm. Uh, he had a white suit on, he had a fro, and, um, and actually, and, 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 Unfortunately, stereotypically, he had like he, he had a chip on his shoulder, and he was always angry because he was like, you know, y'all not like treat me the way everybody else should be treated. It, it was uh, there were Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. It was illustrated by Mike Grell. The Invisible I Kid. I can't remember that. Whatever it was, his power was through his voice. Okay, maybe, maybe that's a different one. I remember the guy with the afro. He had like a white suit. I thought he was yep. the Invisible Kid, but maybe yeah. that's not it. Maybe that's not it. But I do know who you're speaking of. I'll Google it while we're talking, but yeah, but <laughs> he was the first one that resonated. I'm like, oh, this dude is dude's fire. You know, I was like, I resonated with him. A lot of people mm -hmm. would, you know, would, would answer that question and say, oh, Black Panther. You know, but it wasn't Black Panther for me. The first one that resonated with me for real, for real, with Tyrock. That was his name. Oh, right? there you go. Tyrock. T Y R O K. Yeah. He was the first African American member of the Legion of Superheroes. You're and right. uh, I loved that character. I loved him. Wow, for me, um, I'm going to go outside of the box a little bit, then I'll come back. Um, I think all of us who grew up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, remember having your bowl of cereal, getting up at 6 in the morning, waiting for the national anthem to play or whatever. You see the little color bars come up, and then you're ready to get started because you know the cartoons are about to hit. And for me, <laughs> 6 a.m. and ended around 12 and 1 o'clock with Soul Train. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I was there in front of the TV until noon most of the time, and the reason I'm, I, I'm I'm bringing it back to the forefront of our memories that for me, a lot of the black characters that resonated with me were on cartoons, mm. and for me it was Black Vulcan of the Justice. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. that's one of the first ones that I remember wanting to see that represented me well. He was smart. Um, he wasn't necessarily like a sidekick. They brought him in. Uh, he mm -hmm. had his business, as they say, and he mm -hmm. was quite prominent on the team. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I went to find someone like him. 
in the comic book realm. And of course, mm. one of the closest characters that you can think about in DC, Black Lightning. Black Lightning. <laughs> okay. So Black mm. Lightning was the one that I actually related with. He was intelligent. I think he was a teacher, if I'm mm. correct. Um, and he was very articulate. Um, mm. And he um, was able to harness his electrical powers in different ways to take down crime. You know, now of course it was a typical type of trope where he was in the slums and fighting drug pushers and that kind of thing, and that yeah. kind of got, got kind of tiring for me. Yeah. But my age at that time, it was exciting to go and watch Justice uh, Super Friends, Justice mm-hmm. Super Friends, see Black Vulcan, and then be able to go into the comic shop and find a representation of him in the comics. You know, yeah. and that was kind of cool uh, for me. Uh, at that particular time. And then from that point on, I branched on to other characters, such as Power Man, Luke Cage. Power Man, Luke Cage. And, you know, um, Giant Man, or Black Knight, yeah. actually, yeah. at that time. Um, so at that point, I'm like, well, there had to be more than just Black Lightning out here representing mm-hmm. something. Let's see what I can find. And uh, that kind of helped me to launch my journey. Very cool. You know, Very you, cool. Know, you know, I got to add, first time I fell in love, Storm. Oh, John, John Byrne Storm. John Byrne? <laughs> that was it. That's all she wrote. <laughs> uh, David Geringer, who composed our, our theme song, our new season two theme song is composed by David Geringer. If anybody's looking for an awesome theme song for their indie comic or anything, right, David. David does that. He's an amazing artist. Um, he said, anybody remember who remembers Meteor Man? Um, oh, sure. A lot of a lot of 90 kids remember Meteor Man. Robert Townsend. First. Yeah. Yep. Well, believe it or not, we had a a, um, a business agreement with his company or his advertising PR company. And if you have the first purge book that I did, mm-hmm. Media Man advertisement is on the back of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. wow. Yeah. I'll have to go check that out. Small world. So, so there's a Small connection. world. <laughs> So now you each became comic, I'm going to say publishers, even though um, you may disagree with that title, but you've you've self-published uh, a, a, various titles, each of you, but you at a, became publishers at a time before digital comics. So a lot of guys getting in the game now, they can put together a digital comic, they can put together the art digitally, they can letter digitally, and they can distribute it digitally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we have apps popping up all over the place that feature solely digital comics. Um, mm-hmm. What was it like getting your first book published um, before the age of digital, and what road roadblocks did you face? Mm-hmm. Wow, that was that was a joke. We just said we should have We said I'm asking, do we have that much time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you quoted Michael Jackson. I thought you said, "Do you remember the time?" Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Sure can be. So when I asked the question, 
I got zip, zero, nada. But I said, well, name me a white superhero. Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Flash. Um, you know, the list went on and on. Thor, Spider-Man, to for days. And that mm -hmm. for me was my, um, the highlight of my journey. Because I felt that if they don't know a black superhero, when will they ever? And who will make that happen? So I took it on my own personal mission to make sure that a black superhero would resonate with the public nationwide and globally. And so that for me was part of the catalyst or the launching mechanism that I needed to say, what I'm doing has purpose. It's needed. Mm -hmm. um, and furthermore, when I look at the superheroes that I did find that were black superheroes, again, as I said earlier in the, in, the, um, in the program, wasn't what I wanted to be represented as. And I needed, or I felt the need, desire, and the purpose to do better. You know, so, and it wasn't easy. I sold books out of my car trunk. Huh. Okay. Old I school went, way. Yeah, old school. I went That's right. to and drove to television stations to get on TV wow. to actually sell my book. Because one thing I did learn about media, and it's still true today, people trust the media. Mm -hmm. If it's on television or if it's on some kind of media out, outlet, automatically has credibility. So mm -hmm. I knew that once I was able to get on TV, that would give me the credibility. So I combined that gotcha. with newspaper articles, and front page, and just for those who don't know, Purge is Winston-Salem, North Carolina, official, one and only, superhero. That's for something. So that's an accomplishment that I was able to take. And I was, oh my able, gosh. I was able to get on Newsweek, hmm. USA Today. Wow. I sent the wow. video to Brett. Um, mm -hmm. I was able to get on Entertainment Tonight. All of that was accomplished through the effort and understanding me personally what my purpose is to create the content that black people, mm. all people could be proud of. So mm -hmm. that's, mm -hmm. there you have it. <laughs> Reggie? Oh, goodness. You know what? Now I'm going to sound like Chicken Little from that cartoon. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> what was the question again? Because <laughs> I'm like, all in Roosevelt's story, man. It's like, oh, Roosevelt, yo, just before we went on, I went online and purchased Purge number one. I'm like, I'm all late. I'm behind. I'm, I'm oh, just man, purchased it. I just purchased it like an hour ago. I was like, I got to have it. Because I saw those, man, I, the, the Zong Brothers. Time. Man, look, look, as long as I was able to get one. <laughs> um, well, it's here man. waiting for you, my brother. I'm waiting on number. Hey, look, I'm ready for number two. I don't even have number one yet. Oh my goodness, <laughs> number two is working. We're getting it done. COVID is cool. now, but it's working. But anyway, go ahead, brother. Fantastic. I um, my, uh, Brett, you were saying pretty much as far as just like what was it like publishing? Yeah, to, to yeah. get your first book published back in the day, pre-digital, and 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 yeah, what, what roadblocks did you? You face? know, my thing was I I was I was definitely at an advantage because the fact being that my first job outside of art school after i got out of art school was working for kamiko um they were right there in norristown you know i was blown away when i found out that they were a comic book company they were uh they were uh gracious enough to take me on as a as a, an office employee i mean it was just it was just like six six young guys you know publishing comic books for the first time in black and white on, on the independent market. And I, I guess I hung around and bugged them so much to, you know, to, to get a job where of course there was no job available. They said, well, look, you know, if you want to work here and learn how the industry works, how you, you know, uh, take the process from creating the comic book to uh, soliciting it to distributors, to getting it shipped, to getting, you know, I learned the whole process of how to publish a comic book on the independent market while I was working there as what I would call the office boy. And uh, the first experience of seeing a comic book coming back from the printer uh, was not even mine. It was, it, was, uh, it was Primer number one that Kamiko published. 
Uh, and the crazy part was the, the more exciting book was uh, Primer Number Two, which had Grendel on the cover. Because yeah. at that time I was the the assistant the assistant assistant editor for Primer. So yeah. seeing a book that I worked on, even though I didn't draw it or write it, I was like, I helped get this book out, you know. And it was like Matt Wagner's first piece, you know. It was it blew me away to see these books come in from UPS and you're ripping them open and seeing these these actual physical comic books. And when um when I started making enough money working for them, yeah, I said, you know what, I, I need to publish my own book. It's like mm -hmm. I know how to do it now, you know. And and at the time, uh, as Roosevelt was saying, that question went on in my mind, like, well, if I'm going to create a comic book of my own and publish it, now I, I, I've got the wherewithal to do it, what am I going to do? You know, am, am I going to publish, am I going to go ahead and publish Spark? But will she sell? You know, she's a black female character, will it sell? And at that time, I was so, I was so smitten by, by, by manga at the time, you know, Japanese comics, which the only time you could even find one is if you went to New York. Uh, mm -hmm. At the time I was reading, uh, I, was, I wasn't even translated in English, it was in, still in Japanese. I was, I was peeping Af uh, Astro Boy and I was peeping uh, Captain Harlock. And it, it impressed upon me so much and said, you know what, the first thing I'm going to publish is a comic book about a, about a, a ninja girl. You know, a girl that, that that that's an that's supposed to be an assassin, but she, she ends up being a bodyguard because she never want to kill anybody, and that's when I created Crescent. I'm sorry, <laughs> that's that's ten years later, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, I created this created this comic book, and and the guys at Kimiko even just guided me as far as you know, you know, as far as uh, uh, doing the pagination and, and and creating it, and the feeling of seeing that come back from the printer was uh, a a feeling unlike any other, I'm sure as Roosevelt can attest to. Um, seeing your own work printed, um, the uh, the walls that I had to climb over weren't that many in the beginning because of the fact being that all the knowledge I got from Kamiko on how to get the books, you know, how you solicit the books to the distributors. Back then, there were so many. You had you had Glenwood. You had, uh, of course, Diamond, who's the only one that's left now. Um, uh, there were just so many different uh, comic book distributors. You would send them a sample of the work, tell them how much the, the, the discount was, when it was going to come out, and then the orders would come in. And uh, it was it was pretty easy for me. And I think only because of the fact I was joined at the hip with Kamiko, even though I published the book on my own independently. Um, I think the difficulty was being able to be noticed out of all of the books that were already out there. Of course, everybody loved the big two, you know, always did. And, um, but when I put out Shuriken, I think because of the fact that I was already involved with Robotech, that got the attention for my book. And I think I was just lucky in that respect because had I not been connected with uh, Kimiko, it'd have been a whole different story. It'd have been a whole different story. I don't even know if I had, had would have even had a chance to publish my own comic book at that juncture in my life. Maybe 10 years later, but not in 1985. Not on my own, I don't think. Wow. That's amazing. I remember during our, our other interview, you talking about those early days of, of working for uh, Kamiko. I can't say it. I, I just can't say it. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. And yeah, you you just walked into an incredible opportunity there. I remember you talking about how, how you got that job. So if you don't know um, how Reggie got that job, um, um, go listen to that first interview. It's on the YouTube page. It's, yeah, it's a great, great story. <laughs> great. Um, so let's talk about the small press scene in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, what was it like then in general and how have you seen it change and evolve over the years? Uh, when you say small press, you mean the, the business aspect or the production of production of the book? Or uh, the business aspect of it, not the production aspect. Yeah, like um, um, yeah, the business of it and the the running of the company, the distribution, gaining gaining followers or not followers back then, but readers and and su and such. Well, for me, it was um, a interesting learning experience um, because again, there was no social media. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the only meeting mm-hmm. we had was mm-hmm. television radio. So I had to really be creative and utilize radio. I, I created a radio show for Purge. A oh, wow. Jam. What? Yes, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, that was something that I utilized to further the awareness of Purge. Um, I actually produced a animated TV pilot for Purge. Where no I way. Acted, yes, where I actually acted as one of the characters <laughs> to some dismay. <laughs> um, so there were things that I did that I would, that I hoped at the time would help elevate the character in a way that people would be, will continue to be migrated back to the comic. Okay. Um, and to be able to utilize those means or those particular opportunities help promote the character, the brand, and also help promote the business. But like mm-hmm. anything else, it is what it is. Small businesses need income. And unfortunately, I think it's still somewhat the same uh, circumstance now, is that we're dealing with a product that is based on public opinion. They like yeah. it one day, they hate right. it the next. next. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or now you could be canceled if you say something that's whack. Yep. I, don't know you, I don't know if I'm using the right terminology. My no, you say, are. Okay. Whack is, okay. Whack, is whack is still good. Okay, all right. Whack is timeless. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you could be canceled. Um, so even back then, you know, you, the first issue you come out is hot. People love it. The second issue is hot. People love it. Third issue, uh, lukewarm. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you know, so it takes money to yeah. keep a product in the forefront of people's minds back That's in right. the day using mm-hmm. PR firms to get you on TV and to get you on radio. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really difficult. So if you're a small press publisher, you don't have those kind of pockets mm-hmm. like that, like a Marvel or DC. So it did take a lot of interesting maneuvering, which is why the ANEA, we may talk about that a little bit later, was quite important at that time in the 90s, where each one of us was small publishers with little capital, but we came together to look a lot larger than what we were. Mm-hmm. And we pooled our resources, money, artists that we knew, and we were able to create and do great things uh, with ANEA uh, for a short time. We actually were pretty much head to head you know, as far mm-hmm. as media-wise, mm-hmm. as well as sales with Milestone back in the day. Mm-hmm. Wow. Those, yeah. those remember. So it was an interesting journey. Um, and I don't regret any of it. I learned a lot. Um, and I think that, and, and Reg, I'm, assume, I'm assuming could, could confirm as well, that it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. But we had to learn how to do with little. And that's one mm-hmm. thing as black people in general We've been pretty good at doing a lot with little. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact, if I had DC money back then, Man. wow, Purge yeah. would be a global phenomenon. It would have, mm-hmm. exactly. have been a wrap. And that's, mm-hmm. all, that's where the, the rubber meets the road is financial mm-hmm. for most of us, or the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. So true, so true. I would just have to piggyback on what Roosevelt just said. I mean, I really don't have anything else to add to that because he he nailed it. He pretty much nailed it. You know, um, it was all about as far as, you know, if you uh, if you didn't have the funds or the or the, uh, the resources to get it known and, 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 and keep it in front of people long enough, it would be a struggle. It would be a struggle. Um, whereas now it's so much easier because, I mean, you know, it's, it's so hard to fathom that back then there was no Internet. There were no cell phones. There was no. Uh, social media, you know, whereas those three things catapults an idea within minutes. I mean, you can sketch some, you can sketch an idea for a character and post it and have hundreds of followers saying, when's this coming out? Yep. <laughs> that was not going to happen in 1985. No. <laughs> <laughs> you sketch something, you sketch something back then and show it to one person be like, okay, it's all right, what is it? <laughs> so, yeah, man, big difference between then and now. 
Um, got a couple questions on social media here. Uh, Brad wants to know, uh, is that purge animation available for viewing anywhere? That's true. Yeah. Uh, well, um, some of it is on YouTube. Um, we have been working on multiple purge animation projects over the years. Uh, one of the ones that we actually are consistently producing or working to produce, i.e. gaining funding, is Astounding Adventures, which features Purge and other um, very prominent, I'm excited about it, uh, characters by other Black creators. Uh, mm. So I did put the Astounding Adventures net in the chat. Um, yep. And you can, all, of course, you can go there and click and learn about that animation project. And on that site, or our site, there is animation clips of what we're working on. That's so cool. And I am going to drop, I just dropped Reggie's uh, Kickstarter link in there. And here come Roosevelt's links also. Um, they are dropping in all the chats and all the various places we're broadcasting to. So go ahead and copy and paste those links. And uh, you can purchase uh, comic books, support Reggie's Kickstarter, and check out Astounding Adventures also. Um, so, and then uh, Brian wants to know, um, are we going to, we were talking about this a little bit before the show, are we going to get to see the rest of the blackout unfold? The answer is yes, <laughs> you will. Um, what's happening or what has happened, unfortunately, with COVID um, has put me and my production team way behind. So for all of those out there who have been waiting on their Blackout and Purge books, one, I apologize profusely. Unfortunately, with COVID, uh, it really put a wrench in our works. But I will let you know that the books are being produced. Um, we are, of course, unfortunately behind schedule, but they are being produced. Blackout is one of them. Purge issue two is almost done artistically. Then we're gonna move on to lettering. And while we're doing that, Blackout is gonna be in production as well um, on the heels of Purge issue two. So be nice. patient with us and know that we are working hard uh, to make sure that uh, these books get into your hands. Nice, very cool, very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're, we're, li we're a little over halfway through the show, guys. I just want to remind you out there watching, feel free to drop comments, questions in the chat. We will try to answer them or bring them up on screen just for everybody to see, um, and ask questions of these guys. We, they, they are here and they are at your disposal. Um, I, I have plenty of questions that we're going to keep going through, but we'll see if anybody else out there has some questions. Um, also you can support Indie Comics Dispatch at patreon.com slash Indie Comics Dispatch. That's all one word and comics is with an X. You can be become a patron for as little as three dollars a month and it really helps us and pretty soon mm. that monthly fee will be tax deductible as we work through the 501c3 status so again that's patreon.com slash indie comics dispatch and you can support us on a monthly ongoing basis so let's talk black comics now because uh, it seems to be um and black comics has always been around but they're getting a lot of attention again they almost a renaissance going on right now mm -hmm. um i think the digital age has helped that um mm -hmm. and so um what's changed since the 90s black age of comics to this modern age that we're seeing now from from the time of ania and and some of those other early um independent titles to from even milestone in the in the 90s to to now I, I realize milestone wasn't independent but still i think i think the the situation with this is the fact that uh the from the old saying that the revolution will not be televised the revolution mm -hmm. is televised because of the fact that everything that's gone on in the past year especially in the past few years past several years um the attention towards the black experience in this country has brought about, uh, in, a, in a strange way, a surge of, of interest outside the black community about the black community, um, if that makes any sense. You know, mm -hmm. everything from George Floyd to um, everything that's going on in this country. And all of a sudden now, it's almost kind of weird to say it, it's almost like, to a degree, cool be black, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and everybody wants to know about what's you know what's going on, what's coming out of coming out of your out of your circle. What what are y'all doing with your lives and you know the creative aspect? And you know, of course, and then to a degree, when it comes to being black, there are certain things that nobody wants to touch. <laughs> you know, 
that we have to deal with every single day of our lives. But when it comes to entertainment and the media and comics and pop culture, I think it's a reflection of the fact that, you know, we've been here for all these hundreds of years and now all of a sudden the attention is on us and what we're about and what we stand for. It's like, I mean, who would have known now that, you know, a good amount of comic books now are being, of course, comic books are constantly being now, you know, fodder for for uh, entertainment, for movies and television. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I was blown away when Regina King jumped on, you know, the opportunity to do Bitter Ruth. I'm just like, yeah. I mean, I'm like, a, I'm like a little kid geeking out, you know, where it's like those years ago, I mean, you know, back then in the 90s, that would have been unheard of. You know, mm-hmm. it's sitting and watching. Um, uh, why am I escaping? I can't even think of it now. On um, HBO. Come on, come on, y'all, help me. Watchmen. Uh, no, not Watchmen. Um, uh, Lovecraft. Lovecraft Country. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which of course was mm-hmm. not based on a comic book, but still, I mean, it's Af- yeah. Afrofuturism. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a lot of people that I know that aren't even black were just like, oh, did you see the latest episode of? of uh, you know, I'm like, you saw that. Are we gonna have that conversation? <laughs> you know, but it's like it's, it's it's just it's an exciting time, and yet at the same time, it brings about a way that people can be educated about a lot of things because a lot of the entertainment is 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 infusing Black history in it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the beautiful part of Black history in this country, and the very ugly, tragic side of Black history. I mean, I've seen at least three shows or movies that that specifically had the the, the Tulsa. Um, you mm-hmm. know, tragedy infused in it, you know? And I mean, I had uh, one of my daughters asking me, well, what's, what's that? How come I didn't learn about that in school? And I'm just like, wow, first time she hears about it is through a TV show, you know, mm-hmm. through entertainment. But um, it's a huge difference between now and in, in the 90s, huge difference. And I think it's because of the fact that, you know, because of media and, you know, and everything is so easily microwavably accessible, you know, whether something that happened, you know, down south or, or a tragedy out west or, or something positive. It's, it, it, it resonates from real life experience into entertainment. It's, art is now imitating life where, where it comes to the Black experience. Well, I'll, I'll add to that and say, you know, history is definitely important. Um, we as Black people who were descendants of uh, enslaved um, built this country, plain and simple. History shows it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in itself rarely gets um, highlighted or put a spotlight on it. We talk about being slaves and so forth and, and, and running from Massa and all of that, but we never talk about the many inventors, um, yeah. the brother who designed Washington, D.C. D.C. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we never talk about those guys, okay? So there's so much rich history that is always minimized when it comes to our contribution to this nation and the world. And keep in mind that even back in the early 1670s during the black exportation, it was clearly understood that black sales, okay? But as time moved Mm -hmm. on, we were faced with the dilemma when we're dealing with white executives who would tell me, well, we like Purge, this is back in the 90s, but he's too black. We wow. need to put more white people in there. Or, wow. Why? Yeah. Why do yeah. we have to do that? <laughs> well, we want to have oh, a man. multicultural experience. Uh, I don't think that's necessary. I'm not going to do that. That's not the story I want to tell. Now, whoosh, 20 plus years later, Black Panther hits. All black. Black and black black. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and it makes all of this money, and I'm looking back as a creator, saying I knew that 20 plus years 20 ago. 20 something years ago. <laughs> okay, so now, now again, it's all about the money a lot of times, but it proves that you can have a complete black cast for the most part, black yeah. lead, and mm-hmm. it sells. You can't go back on that. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Nope. So now, mm-hmm. it makes sense that Regina would take on bitter root or now there's a val zod superman black superman mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah now everyone is looking for stuff like this mm-hmm. you know um everyone is wanting something black because now even though they knew it back then 
right. without a shadow of a doubt that you can have a prominent black lead character that is actually about something, as they say, mm-hmm. and not stereotypical, and it could be a success. And honestly, I personally believe that whether you're black, white, or whatever, I think you they were looking for something. I mean, I love yes. Superman, don't get me wrong, but come on. If all you see is the same type of derivative as far as content, you're going to be wanting something different. And we have that in spades if we just delve into our history. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice and global. So that in itself was what I saw was the difference and the change as time moved on. And I believe that there's nothing really going to stop it now. Mm-hmm. Other than trying yeah. to hold the narrative, um, you yes. know, in some ways. But for me as a content creator, I have a story that I want to tell. I'm not going off the beaten path. I'm going to put my head down and, and head straight forward with what I want to share as far as the content that I want to uh, produce and share with the world. And I think, you know, Reggie can, uh, can confirm and attest to that as well based on his journey. Absolutely. That's amazing. Um, what piece of advice would you give a new creator, somebody who who's just coming on the scene? They have an idea for a comic book, um, but they haven't pulled that trigger yet. What would you tell them? Your best piece of actionable advice? I'm not trying to be funny. It's like sketch it and post it. <laughs> oh, no, the. Uh... From my from my view, it's just like, first of all, don't pay attention to naysayers. Don't pay attention to haters. For everything that someone creates, there's an audience. Um, whatever it is that you create, there's someone that, that it's going to resonate with. Uh, always create something that's from your heart and that you're going to enjoy doing it, even if you don't get one red cent for it. Because... When your passion pours into your art or into your creativity, then when, if the money comes, that's just the icing on the cake. Because of the fact that you're doing something that comes from you, you know, and that you truly enjoy doing. Um, with the fact that, we're, like I said, we're in the age of a microwavable society, you know, you've got YouTube, you've got tutorials, you've got, um, you know, ways to create your art digitally if you don't want to do it old school like Rosa and I'm used to do it just, draw by hand and then ink it by hand and then scan it by hand. And <laughs> now everything is just so available, you know, digitally to create something uh, that uh, it's, it's just so much easier now. But my thing is just, there's always more negative voices than positive voices when you are trying to um, uh, show something to the world that, that you know, that you, you've held close to your heart for a while. And I, I believe that uh, with all that's available online as far as tutorials and people giving free information on how to publish your own work or, or put it up on uh, webtoons, uh, the world is at your feet. The world is at your feet, whereas it wasn't at our feet, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, we really had to struggle and strive to, to do what we wanted to do to get people to know about what we created. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's just amazing that you can do whatever you want now and have the wherewithal to do it. It's just so many different channels and, and, and different uh, ways to go about doing it. Um, I mean, he said pretty much everything I was going to say, to be totally honest. Um, mm-hmm. I can only add that um, be willing to put in the work. You know, and when I yeah. mean work, I mean emotional, mental, <laughs> and physical work. Um, because it is a learning curve. Mm-hmm. But there's no excuse for ignorance in this age of technology and Google and so forth. Um, and I would say, uh, be true to yourself, for one. And I'll share something that my father, you know, who passed uh, this past January, he would always mm, say sorry. to me, mm. thank, you, thank you. He would always say to me, be the best basket weaver you could be. And I mm-hmm. didn't get that at first. Mm-hmm. But what he basically was, if you were going to be a basket weaver, but be the damnedest basket, best basket movie you can That's be, right. and you can sell it. Mm-hmm. That's because right. people are going to gravitate to you because you have greatness that you are creating, mm-hmm. that you benefit from thought 
to something actually physical. Yes, so I've, take, I've taken that with me throughout my life and applied it in areas um, that um, represent what I want to produce as far as comic books and content to do my very best. And for all the artists and writers out there, I'll say this with utmost passion, be willing to take constructive criticism. That's right. Okay, because every artist is not going to be Frank Fazetta mm -hmm. or, or Alex Ross, you know. Or John Byrne. You know, or John Byrne. <laughs> so be willing to look at where you are, be accepting of where you are, and strive for more so that you always have a goal to reach as you make your journey toward greatness. You see? That's right. Um, and I'm still on that journey, okay? And um, I don't mind sharing my age, but I'm 55, going on 56. I got and, you. Got you by oh, three yeah. years. Got my three years? Got okay. three years. Three years? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You know, the journey never ends. And, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, and that's one thing that I would share uh, with um, people who are starting out and to reach out to people like myself and Reggie. I mean, we're here, you know, as, um, as helping mm -hmm. hands, so to speak, to share that's our right. knowledge because we want everyone to be successful uh, regardless right. of your walk of life. Nothing like this for anybody. That's right. Exactly. So I think that's important. Reach out to people who have done it, who are continually doing it, and who are willing to share um, in a way yeah. to help others be successful. Yeah. Wonderful advice. Well Wonderful said. advice. Well mm -hmm. um, so who are some creators that you're following that you think other people should be following out there right now? Give some shout outs. Hmm. This, this young boy, <laughs> this is, as I say, young boy, this young boy that draws uh, static shot, Nicholas Driver, Nicholas Draper Ivy. That mm. young man, I love his work. I love his work. His, his, he's He's been creating on Instagram for for a, a few years now, just creating all these manga influenced um, Afrocentric characters, and then he got blessed with you know working on, working on Static now. Um, That's awesome. Sanford Green, Sanford Green, mm -hmm. um, that of course does Bitter Root, but he's Sanford Green's got a a, a webtoon uh, feature. It's called really? One Thousand One Zero Zero Zero. Yes. And it's got music. I mean, I, I was checking the strip out, and there's music in the background, like a soundtrack going while you're enjoying it. I'm just like, this is crazy, you know. That's um, awesome. And, uh, and then for me, a third would be, and uh, he's not even an action artist; he's a writer and a publisher. But uh, Tyler Forrest Martin that does, you know, mm -hmm. Mega Woman and, and the antagonists. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm just loving the way he's just weaving you know, this world of, you know, his, his creations very much like Roosevelt, man. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. Roosevelt, when I, when I was, you know, peeping your work, it's just, I'm like, oh, I'm just like blown away. I'm like, man, how come I wasn't on this like a year ago? You know what I mean? And I'm just glad better late than never. <laughs> you well, know? I appreciate, I appreciate the support, my brother. Better late than never. But uh, those are like my three. I mean, we could go on and on, but those are like three for me, just, you know, writer and two artists. That's amazing. Well, for me, let me say this in case there's any confusion. I am not an artist. I'm a writer, publisher. I have done some design work, but I guarantee you, you wouldn't want to see it. Um, <laughs> but I have been blessed to work with a lot of wonderful artists throughout my tenure or career. So I personally give shout out to um, uh, brother Mashindo Kumba. Mashindo. You're not familiar really with his work. You should be. If you're not, you've been. Shinda was, oh my gosh, she's been around for a minute. Yeah, and his work has, well, it's always been phenomenal, but if you repeat some of his recent work, blows your mind. Yeah. Literally blows your mind. Um, you know, you're talking about eye orgasms. You'll have That's that Shindo. in work. That's and then Shindo. there's um, Brother Gray Williamson um, out of New York. Um, mm. Wonderful brother, um, his artwork, <laughs> if not on par with Machindo, it's very close. Um, oh wow! I peeped his work, so look up Gray Williamson. Uh, I believe that one of his up. products or books is Valbar, I believe. Mm. So you might want to Google him. Uh, wonderful, wonderful artist and writer. Uh, he's very been around for a minute as well, if not as long. Mm. Machindo, maybe a little bit longer. Um, 
as far and then there's Jay Kelly. He's a writer. His, his mm-hmm. book or character is called The Brother. Um, mm-hmm. Check him out. He's on um, Facebook. Um, but to throw in a toss in, a, a writer um, that I have grown to um, love over the years, you know, um, you know, um, of course, he's not a black indie creator, but I love Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, I love his work back in the day, with, you Always know, an artist as well. Um, but those are probably the three. Uh, that I would say on top of my head that I would I can't speak highly about those those brothers. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Shindo and Gray and, and Jay, great people as individuals, but definitely wonderful talent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Great suggestions. If you're if you're out there watching this or listening to an after the fact on the podcast, go follow those people. Um, amazing, amazing creators, um, and really worth the follow. Um, Guys, um, how can people follow you and support your work? Well, you go first. This okay. stuff is awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Um, well, you can follow me. Um, I have my Amara Entertainment website where you can find all things Purge, Blackout. Um, we'll be putting up, um, uh, I guess, announcements when those books will be ready and out the door to my backers who've been very, very patient. Thank you again. Um, then there's Astounding Adventures, which is the animated uh, animation project that we're working on for children, featuring Purge, Shadowboxer, the brother, um, his, um, his, his apprentice or protege, Amani. Um, you know, that's something that we're working on as well. Um, I do have some really great projects working with Purge, but I just don't have the liberty to share it just yet. But I will tell you, mm. the announcement will be coming soon. And it's going to be huge. I can only say that much about it right wow. now. Um, so but cool. again, Amari Entertainment, Astounding Adventures, and you can find me on Instagram under Roosevelt Pitt Purge, and you can find me on Twitter, Crimson Seed One on Twitter, oh, nice. and that's where you can find me, all things Purge, and get announcements about the projects nice. that we're working on. Very good. Very that's good. That's beautiful. Oh, I love that. In that. I love that Astounding Adventures. Oh my gosh, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, with me, well, um, of course, the Kickstarter. Thank you, Brett. Thank you so much. It's it's just really been a blessing because whenever you start a Kickstarter, you 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 are really you have a lot of doubts <laughs> and a lot of and I don't mean I don't mean to quote Marvel, but you have a lot of what ifs, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, but you know, thank God that this is coming along pretty well. I got seven days left. Um, and I'm just excited that I've got so much um, support uh, of my bringing bringing this character back. Um, Congratulations! Thank you so much. It was quite a journey because it's been 30 years since the last issue of Shuriken was released. '91, uh, matter of fact, November of 1991 was the last issue of, of a Shuriken book, and so wow. this one will be released November of this year, exactly 30 years later, and. Uh, you know, there was a situation where this character was, for the many years I thought, was actually in possession of Marvel, that Marvel owned it. But uh, after doing my homework over this last few months, I realized I was able to get her back. So um, I'm very excited. Um, but that's the, the kick, Kickstarter page. And then my personal page is ReggieBuyers.com, um, where uh, you can purchase Alpha Boy and, and Puff Girl. Uh, my children's book uh, called uh, MVP Kamala and Me. Mm-hmm. Children's book about celebrating the nomination of Kamala Harris, but not just that, but the majority of the book uh, tells you about all of the Black women in American history that whose uh, shoulder she stood on to get to where she is. Um, from uh, from uh, I'm like having a brain freeze here. But hey, better yet. <laughs> Boom. There it is. <laughs> the book okay. right there. Yeah. Right. So it's like um, uh, the little girl in the com in, in the children's book. She pretty much just goes through a roll call of all the women that paved the way, such as you know Sojourner, Sojourner Truth, and uh, of course Harriet Tubman. One more, Mary McLeod Bethune. You know, mm-hmm. so wonderful little children's book, um, you know, not only just for girls, but for young men as well, but, you know, a children's book that tells little girls that you can be anything you want to be. Um, so at ReggieBuyers.com, you can get that. You can get the uh, my baby's Afro Boy and Puff Girl. 
and uh, you know, I'm just having a ball. Support, brother. I'm gonna Thank you. Website. I will go and grab a few books from you, my man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Ms. Roosevelt, well, um, Brad wants to know when are we going to see more Crescent? Crescent. Um, Crescent was created by myself and Aaron Beatty, and Crescent. Right now, we are in the talks with a publisher who is is going to pick her up, uh, and you'll see that in the beginning of next year. And Crescent, this is 25 years. This year is 25 years since since I put out that one zero issue of Crescent. Oh, and uh, wow. we're going to reprint that in color and then just do brand new adventures of uh, the only, I, I don't know of any other Egyptian female superhero that I know of, you know, other than her. You know, mm -hmm. Isis doesn't count. I'm <laughs> <laughs> back in the day and she don't count. <laughs> you mentioned Aaron. He runs a great Instagram page called the official Heurary. I think yes. it's, um, yeah, follow that. It's it's a great page for lots amazing. of inspiration. Um, amazing. Um, Roosevelt. Yes. Are we ever going to see an Aenea reunion or anything like that? Um, I have to say, not at this time. Um, the <laughs> My fellow Aenea members, honestly, Brett, I haven't heard from them since the 90s. Really? Uh, I actually it's... tried to Google them and search on Facebook, and constantly comes up empty. I mean, I'm not wow. being facetious here, but I really don't know who's alive and who's not. I mean, it's, it's like that. And it's, it's like that. It so really is. It's just been me continually, um, continuing, you know, again, this journey of publishing. I, I would love to do that. I would love to be able to um, bring us together and do a collective um, volume of new stories. And cause I think people would support us. Oh, it's like they support yeah. the milestone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. But unfortunately, I really cannot say that that's even on the horizon. But if it that's does, right. one of the first to know. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, you guys, while they're watching, uh, the links are in the chat, but you, please, please search these gentlemen out, support their projects. So you can go to uh, amarentertainment.com and order Roosevelt's books um, and, and see the ones that are coming soon. You can go mm -hmm. to Kickstarter and support Reggie Byers. <laughs> um, you can also go to his site and order his other books that are already out. Um, mm -hmm. And if you're like me, you scour eBay for both these gentlemen's books and buy them whenever they come up. So um, <laughs> uh, guys, thank you so much for being here tonight. It's a great opener for this season awesome. of Broadcast from the Dispatch and really set the, bo uh, the bar high for a few Future episodes. I, I I love having you guys on, and we'll have to do this again sometime. Thank well, you so much. Appreciate it. Having us, and we'll hopefully look forward to coming back. Yes, All right. absolutely. That sounds great. Wonderful. Everybody out there, we will be back again next next Thursday. I'm still saying Wednesday because last year we were on Wednesdays. Next Thursday is our new uh, day at 8.30 p.m., still our time. Uh, next week we have Jibba Mole Anderson and the Blacksis on, the new group of creators right. banding together. Right. I'm, I'm so, that one. Yep, yep, tune in for that one because we will be here next week talking with them. At the end of the month, another great uh, creator, um, John Jennings will be on to discuss his plethora of work and scholarship John. within Ooh. the black comic book community. So yeah. tune in the rest of this month and continuing on forward again, if you supported the Kickstarter and haven't heard from us check, because you probably have heard from us and you just haven't responded. Um, <laughs> guys out there, we'll see you again next week. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so thank much you. for, thank for supporting gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Why are you still listening? It's the end of the podcast. But since you listened to the whole thing, since you're still here at the end, as this podcast ends, as you exit out of the episode, why don't you give us a rating? And if you're not following or subscribing to us yet, go ahead and do that too. As I said at the beginning of the show, it helps a lot and you'll be doing the dispatch a big favor.